With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter back to a pod of their own. This is episode 11. I am Allison McCaig and I am joined once again by my co-host Linda Serovich. Hello Linda. Hey Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi Maggie. Hi Allison. So this week in Metsdom was a slightly better week. Yay! <laughs> Which is the best we you did can it. say. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there that if anybody wants to put the Mets had a slightly better week on a pennant or a t-shirt or whatever you got, I would buy that because, frankly, that seems to be just about as good as we can do these days, and I'll take it. Or like the Arrested Development one, I know it was the knock on Bush, but when they put hang up the mission accomplished, (laughs) 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 we did it. (laughs) 2019 Mets, a slightly better week. We did it. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. (laughs) We went five for seven. (laughs) Did we even? I think we did. We did have a, f- a four and two homestand, right? Yeah, we did. We had a four and two homestand. Um, we took two out of three um, from the Giants after the opening game disaster that occurred. Ugh. That was like another bullpen meltdown, and it was like, oh God, not this again. But then they righted the ship mostly for the rest of the week, took the final two games of that series, and then took two out of three from a quite resurgent Rockies team. You know, that Rockies team is no slouch. And they took two out of three from them. So that was nice. And, you know, and of course, Murphy was games. involved. Like anytime they play Murphy, I just expect him to go off. And they actually contained him this time. Pretty so much. Was, he went off uh, yeah. once, right? Yes, once. <laughs> one time. Yes. I'll, I'll take I'll it. Take In once. more ways than one. In more ways than one. Yeah, that's right. I missed that because I didn't watch that game. But yeah, there was a fight, guys. Not a real fight. A, like no. standing around and posturing as most baseball fights are. Yeah, I, I, I always love the guys running in slow motion from the bullpen. Like, don't get there before it's over. Don't get there before it's over. Just pretend you're going out. And Conforto just was totally over it. He laughed. Yeah, like, I love how, like... <laughs> like this is stupid. It wasn't even going to be... Like, I watched the replay of it later. Like, I didn't actually see the game. I watched the replay of it later. And I love how, like... It, like, it wasn't going to be anything. Like, yeah, Desmond was clearly pissed. 
He, like, had some words to say. But then, like, Murphy just comes flying out of the dugout. And you're just like, oh, my God, Murph, go sit down. Jesus Christ. Seriously. (laughs) It's Drew Canyon. (laughs) He's not hitting him on purpose. Like, our controversies involve Jacob Raymond and Drew Canyon. I know, right? Like, everyone's very mad. Why are people so convinced that our relievers are capable of hitting anything on purpose? <laughs> right, right. Everybody's very mad about Jacob Raymond, Drew Gagnon. What a world. <laughs> yeah. And I think Todd Frazier recently just said, he told Pete, I'm just going to stand next to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Pete's the guy you want on your side. No, it's he so true. He was like, true. why are you so mad? You know what? I'm just going to stand next to you. <laughs> I would. That's what I would do. I would just hide behind Pete Alonzo and I'd be like, can you truck any guy that comes anywhere near me? Thanks. <laughs> like Josh Reddick can vouch that yeah. uh, running into Pete is a mistake. <laughs> a big mistake. Um, so yeah, it was it was a better week. And one of the wins was thanks to a an unlikely hero, <laughs> Jason Vargas complete game shutout. Hell yeah, guys. Just like we always knew would happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fantastic. before the season, we all knew Jason Vargas was going to be the Aves. Yeah. We didn't spend a whole episode trashing him. That, no. that didn't, that Never. wasn't a thing. Never. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, two of the players who people were, you know, trashing, calling for their heads, calling for them to be cut off the roster or whatever were are now two of the players carrying the team in Todd Frazier and Jason Vargas and both are having quite the resurgence which is awesome could please continue to make me look like an idiot I love it I'm enjoying the heck out of it yeah um, and I'm going to be writing about uh Frazier later this week so check out amazingavenue.com for all your print media edification yeah well, and they, yeah they even mentioned it on the broadcast tonight um, they had a specific date, which I can't remember now, of when he turned it around. And it was after J.D. Davis had um, started four out of five games. Lowry was rumored to be coming back. Like, he, was, I think he was banging 150 at the time, and it's been, like, a complete 360. Like, when his job was in jeopardy, he did kind of say, all right, you know, I got to I gotta start putting, putting pedal to the metal and being proved that he was worth the playing time, and he did. Yeah. Although it also may have had to do with him getting a little more comfortable after having had no spring training to speak of and a rehab stint that was not especially lengthy. So I, I, I think like there's definitely some butt whipping happening, but then also just, just getting more comfortable, getting healthier, warming up, you know, I, it's kind of a mix. It takes a lot to turn a guy's season around that much. I feel like there are multiple, got to be multiple factors on that one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, Jason Vargas, like, you can say the complete game shutout, like, that the that the Giants don't have a very formidable offense, and that's true. But I think there's something to be said for the fact that he pushed himself and the, the Mets pushed him further than he had really been pushed before as a Met. Like, there's something to be said for the fact that he had been a five-and-dive guy and not throwing a lot of pitches, even when he was pitching well, he wasn't really pushed the third time through the order, and this time he was, and he was still successful. So that's still, you know, kudos to him, and that's really great. Well, and even it was, he pitched seven innings against the Dodgers, which who were unbelievable. Like, their offense was just relentless and he still did well against them too so it wasn't just the awful giants that you know he held in check recently yeah and he's doing you know okay as we speak against the yankees and that's are they still up to eight to three linda is that still happening there was a rally going uh <laughs> yes Vargy got out of it yeah Vargy. Hey. yeah, yeah Vargy's go been, Vargy. uh facing his <laughs> facing his steepest test yet to challenge his you know string of good starts the Yankees in Yankee Stadium um, in the second game of a doubleheader after the Mets dropped the uh, day game, you know, Zach Wheeler got pounded pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we really Yeehaw. needed we really needed Vargas to continue to perform. And he hasn't been, you know, sparkling. He's been working in and out of trouble, but the Mets are holding the lead uh, as of right now. But, you know, a lot of baseball left. So <laughs> and it's Ooh, yeah. Yankee Stadium with the wind blowing out. Hooray. Um so we'll see what happens there, but if we can get 
you know, a split of the two game series with the Yankees, that's, you know, that's a win for the Mets. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, we definitely. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> oh, oh, did Gomez just do a bat flip? Yes, he did. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yee, yee, yee. <laughs> Heck yeah. It, it was I not know. a group dong. I'll it was not say. a group dong. <laughs> Just a solo dong. Solo so, dong. That's okay. I'll take it. That sounds good to me. Because um, we one dong is better dong. than zero. Exactly. One dong is better than no dongs. Um, <laughs> so, you know, things are a little bit better in Mets world right now. They're still within striking distance of first place and and even more so the wild card. Um, you know, they're not out of it yet, um, but they have to keep pace with the Braves and the Phillies. They can't fall further and further behind and this is a very tough part of their schedule they have now they after the Giants series they kind of exited the soft bit of the schedule and now they're entering series against the Yankees the Braves the Phillies like who else is in this group of games the Cardinals Cardinals I mean they're struggling but the Cardinals are always the Cardinals exactly like the Cardinals are have hit a skid and have fallen back in the in the central but they're still you know a team that's over 500 to be sure so yeah there are not a lot of gimmies here there's not a lot of easy ones so this up this time between now and the all-star break is a key stretch for the Mets and we will see what type of team they really are, but they, and they have to play the Yankees again. Yep. And yep. They have to play the Yankees again. This time at city. Fun times. Um, Oh yes. (laughs) Sorry. Have we reached double digit runs? Has it happened? No, McNeil just squeezed one through the infield. (laughs) Hell yeah. McNeil just doing McNeil things. I like that. Um, it wouldn't be an update, though, without one lol Mets thing. <laughs> we will uh, we allot one lol Mets thing minimum per week. Um, this week's lol Mets thing is uh, Robinson Cano's situation. So, <clears throat> womp womp. Womp womp. Um, Robinson Cano had a quad issue that he sustained um, running out a ground ball after everyone bitched about how he didn't run out ground balls. <laughs> and Thanks, yeah. everyone. Thanks, everyone. Um, and then he didn't do a rehab assignment because the Mets seem really interested in not having their players do rehab assignments this year. Um, he came back for one game. Um, and shocker, he's back on the IL again because he re-aggravated it again, once again, running out of ground ball. Cool. Um, and even that was weird. Like, he was clearly hobbled after he hit a ground ball, stayed in for another inning, then they pulled him. And then they waited like three days to put him on the IL. Yep. So it's like even when he re-injured himself, they couldn't handle it properly. Why well, do they always he's, do this? He's got a, a rehab stint right now. He, today, yeah. And he's, yeah, today. And, he's, and apparently he's he's hitting fine, but also reports that he's not running particularly well, which Jesus. makes me wonder, like, should he even be in the rehab assignment right now? Should he be, like not in the rehab assignment i mean if he can't run like what's he doing out there there was that whole thing too i think was it deja who tweeted he was out taking grand grounders and looked awful like he he was winded yeah, and then later deja. on yeah it would think it was deja and maybe decoma too and then later on mickey was like oh no robbie said he felt fine like really? no he clearly wasn't he's not fine fine like they did this they did this for the yankees series with suspicious topical because they're playing the yankees now but like mm-hmm. recall that they brought joanna suspicious back for one game against the yankees he hit a dinger and then he went back on the disabled list never to be seen again <laughs> so like like literally literally yeah. never to be seen again we still have not seen him um and so you know it's the Mets always do this stuff they rush people back and then it just ends up making it worse like don't stop doing that stop doing that shit well I feel like they did want Cano for this game that's probably why they were dragging their feet yeah because he's yeah, the because... former Yankee and yada yada stop. revenge game revenge game like nobody cares no. If, if it was up to me, the Subway series would die in fire anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm very yeah, like, I care more series. about being the Phillies. Literally nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yep. Can we? Oh, Wilpon Except cares. for Jeff Wilpon. Jeff Wilpon yep. cares very much about winning the back pages. And but Fred Wilpon. The, but the fans 
on on both sides the the Yankees fans and the Mets fans do not care about the Subway Series and and it's it shows I mean obviously the day game was a makeup game so we can't go by the attendance in that game because people like that was a last minute thing but like the attendance in this night game is like I watched the first few innings and it was like not what you would expect if like people were hype about the Subway Series like it is also a random Tuesday you know whatever. well it's also like part of it is also that I mean it's just not it's not a strong matchup. Like there's no. no, it was there. I feel like there was a year or two where the Mets and the Yankees were both pretty good at the same time. And then it was exciting. Cause there was actually like, maybe the Mets would win. Isn't that something? But now it's, I don't know. It's just not, it's, it's, it's not a good, it's not a good fight. It's, I mean, to me anyway. Yeah. They're like in two different weight classes, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're not in direct competition until, like, unless they both make the playoffs. Like, yeah, unless they both make the World Series. So, like, it's it's competition for the back pages, which is Alfred Wilpon cares about. Nobody else cares. Yep. Um, so, you know, on that note, um, we're just going to close things out on our um, Mets and Mets news for the week. Just for a brief non-Mets thing, but a very important baseball thing. Um, and we on the podcast just want to give our best wishes to David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was shot in the Dominican Republic and is currently, he was transferred back to Boston from the Dominican Republic. He underwent surgery um, in the Dominican Republic. Um, and he is now back in Boston undergoing further treatments for his gunshot wounds. So please, please keep Poppy in your thoughts. He is important to, you know, baseball fans. He's important to the game. He's a really key figure you know I can't think of you know I I remember back when we talked about Ichiro and how he's probably the most beloved like baseball player of like our generation I would say Poppy is like number two yeah for sure yeah he's great he I'm to my knowledge seems like a super just good dude really loves baseball um and yeah sending him sending him good thoughts and best wishes yep so yep. far, like the reports seem to be good, trending that in he the was right up direction. and walking. Yeah, trending in the right direction. So fingers crossed. Get well soon, Poppy. All the best. Yeah, watching Pedro Martinez lose it oh, on on oh. the air, who just it shattered my heart into a million pieces. I couldn't take it. Like, oh no. my god. Um. So yeah, we we wish Big Poppy the best. Um. In his recovery, and hope that he can come back full strength. Um. To his, you know, broadcasting duties and such. Um, so best wishes to Big Poppy. Um, we will now um, answer some of your emails. So we will have another seventh inning stretch. Um, a, a quicker one this week, but still a, a good one nonetheless. Uh, so we've gotten a couple of emails since last week, so we want to make sure we shout those out. Um, so uh, Steve McGowan was reacting to our episode about women's merch um, saying that he had trouble finding a pink Mariners jersey for his two-year-old daughter. So he, like, you know, sympathized with the struggle now that he's shopping for a little one, uh, you know, for the lack of um, selection available for women. And uh, for, I think he said that um, he had issues finding stuff for his wife as well. So, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that stuff, too. Yeah, exactly. So and that's how you get more fans too. Is like I know for my niece when she sees my sister wearing Mets stuff, she's like, "Oh, I want to wear what mommy's wearing." Like that's how you get your next generation of fans. And if the selection's not there, yep. And I was I've been pleasantly surprised with the quantity and quality of little girls merchandise. I spent the first first like three years of my parenthood purchasing for a little boy, which is very, very easy. Um, and it's been nice to see, I mean, a, just a ton of his stuff, hands down, perfectly fine. But then I've also gotten just his gifts and random other things, some of the girls uh, merch. And it's really cute. And like, some of it is even practical. And there's plenty of it in actual blue and orange, but with a little like, pizzazz. Um, so I feel like if if they need help with uh, women's merchandise, they should look to the little girls merchandise for inspiration <laughs> because somebody over there has the right idea. Yeah, for sure. So thanks, Steve, for writing in. Um, we appreciate it when 
other people, again, we appreciate the validation when other people are like, yes, this is something I have also dealt with. It's nice to hear, you know, that validation from you guys. So thanks, Steve, for writing in. We appreciate it. Um, we also heard um, this past week from Darison Gonzalez, who says they've never been a huge podcast listener, but they're a huge fan of our show and they praised our unique insight. So thank you so much. We really appreciate um, the praise and we are humbled by it. So thank you, Darison. Um, they go on to ask if you could pick one Met to represent the team in the All-Star game, who would it be? So how about you, Linda? Who, if you mm. could pick one, who would be your All-Star? That's a good question. Um, obviously, I'd have to go Big Pete, who is actually yeah. fifth in the All-Star building right now. I think the numbers came out. He's fifth in the first base All-Star voting. Um, but, you know, for being truthful, it should be Jeff McNeil. Yeah. So, um, but my heart belongs to Big Pete, so I'm going Big Pete. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't have to go strictly by the numbers. This can be a combination of statistics and, you know, emotions. <laughs> so, yeah, Linda, Linda is on Team Big Pete. How about you, Maggie? Um, well, sort of a similar, like, I think Big Pete's kind of one of my first calls, but I'm going to go ahead and say um, Conforto. And again, I mean, I think the the, the problem that's going to happen for Jeff McNeil is that he's too he's too good at too many positions to like get that, that like spot selected. But, um, but Conforto has just been great all season, rock solid um, and so consistent. And it's just really exciting to have him be healthy. And I think he really has earned the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's a great pick. Yep. Um, As for my pick, I'm actually going to go with Edwin Diaz. Um, despite his struggles, um, that he's had, even though like, I know that that does, that isn't controlled by the fan voting. So if I were to pick a position player, I don't know what the, what Darrison's rules are (laughs) because like, you know, the fans only choose the position players. They don't choose the pitchers. Um, if I were to pick one Met overall, it'd be Edwin Diaz. If I were to pick a position player, I'd probably give the slight edge to Conforto over Pete, but Pete is like a really close second. Um, but yeah, Edwin Diaz would be my pick overall. Um, I was, when I was thinking about this, um, ahead of the show, I ranked all the relievers by various metrics. And even though Edwin Diaz isn't like in the top three in the national league or anything like that, when it comes to late inning relievers, he's still in the top like six or seven. So like he, in theory, if you like cut it off at like war or ERA or like, you know, even like WPA, which I sometimes think about for relief pitchers because they pitch in high leverage. Um, Mm -hmm. Like uh, Edwin Diaz is still up there, like would be at the cutoff for like would make the all-star bullpen. He's like on the, on the bubble um, along with like Sean Doolittle and a couple of others um, who have been good, but not like elite, but really um, because bullpens have been such a hot mess this year across the league, there's not too many relievers who have achieved elite numbers through the first half of this season like Edwin Diaz did last year. There's really no one almost in that caliber now. The only one I would put up in that elite caliber right now is pretty much Kirby Yates, and that's, like, it. So Kirby Yates is, like, clearly the best reliever in the National League. Um, And I'm strictly talking about National League because we're talking about the All-Star game. Um, Kirby Yates has been very clearly the best reliever in the National League this year, I think. Um, But, like, Edwin Diaz is right up there. There are a couple guys with more saves than him. Um, I forget... There are a few more. Oh, God, I can't remember. Ken Lee Jansen is one of them. Um, So he would be, like, ahead of Edwin Diaz on, like, the pecking order, so to speak, for all-star relievers. But, like, it's not like Edwin Diaz is, like, 20th or something like that. He's, like, within the top 10. So I'm going to pick Diaz. Um, I think that arguably it's hard. The Mets situation is hard because they have, I would argue, four players who aren't, like, clear-cut all-stars but have arguments in Diaz, Conforto, Alonzo, and McNeil. Um, But none of those guys are, like, such standouts that they should make it over other guys in the league. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, like, it's hard. The Mets have a bunch of, like, very good players but not one clear MVP of the team. This is clearly the best player on the Mets player. So. If Jake goes on a run, I feel like he has a chance because yeah, he has, has settled down. Chance. Yeah, so I want to put him on the bubble too. So 
I it's put him like, like a... right up there in the five slot behind those other four. Yes. But yes. he has to like he has to have a bunch of good starts in a row to even have a shot at this point. But he can do it. I mean, if anyone can do it. He, he can, can do it. Um, I just wish the voting wasn't so early. Yeah, I know. It's weird this year. They changed it, so they did. It's different now. Um but anyway, that um, concludes our emails for this week. Um, so thank you, Steve and Darrison, for writing in. We appreciate um, your emails. Um, keep sending us emails. Um, we will do this these uh, seventh inning stretch segments as we get emails. So um, our email is aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. So please keep sending us emails. Um, when we get back from this break, we'll talk about um, exploitation in Latin America and the situation surrounding that. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own, episode 11. Um, this week um, on our social justice baseball type segment, um, we figure that we've been kicking around having this discussion for a while, but now it's kind of become timely with um, the Dodgers were <laughs> named a finalist for ESPN's Sports Humanitarian of the Year. Um, and, you know, this kind of made That's us... quite an interesting choice. <laughs> Very yeah, interesting. Uh-huh. This kind of made us and many, many others, we are far from the only ones, um, raise our eyebrows because they are a finalist for this award, despite the fact that they are currently under investigation by the U.S. Department of Justice for their activities in Latin America. Um, Now, this is a complex and multi-layered topic that involves, you know, a lot of intricacies, a lot of, you know, moving parts. And I just want to preface this discussion with the fact that none of the three of us are amateur experts, prospect experts, or lawyers. (laughs) So, you know, there is, you know, a lot of complex legal stuff that is surrounding this entire issue. And it's, it's not just, you know, one particular crime or one particular legal problem or one particular activity that is an issue here. It's the interconnection, a web, so to speak, of bad things that are happening in Latin America regarding Major League Baseball, regarding certain ball clubs, um, exploiting players. Um, So, you know, right now, um, the aforementioned U.S. Department of Justice investigation is looking into issues of smuggling Um, and how much um, the ball clubs in question, primarily the Dodgers and Braves are the ball clubs in question here, Um, but there are others um, that are being investigated in this investigation, and MLB itself, to the extent that they were involved, um, is being investigated as well. Basically, um, Nick Francona of the Dodgers, formerly of the Dodgers, and, uh, and others from other ball clubs handed over um, a bunch of documents um, as part of a big dossier that um, Sports Illustrated got its hands on when this first happened about a year ago, um, a little less than a year ago, um, like maybe like eight or ten months ago. Um, and there is a lot <laughs> in this dossier um, that, you know, people like emails where they just brazenly discuss, like basically openly discuss corruption um, involving skirting around immigration laws, um, you know, and things like that. And, <laughs> and I just have to share my, my favorite, I mean, and, and favorite in a bad way, because this is all terrible. You know, I am, I am a, a great lover of spreadsheets and I live my life through spreadsheets, but what I've never done is kept a spreadsheet of my employees where I track 
the level of criminality that I believe they are engaging in. (laughs) And that is literally what the Dodgers did. They had a spreadsheet of 15 of their employees in, in, I think it was all Dominican Republic and kind of ranked them from like bystander was a one and then criminal was a five. And that to me, um, that's a sign that you are maybe going down the wrong path as an organization. Um, so it's, I mean, brazen is the word you use. Absolutely correct. Like just, just open acknowledgement of the badness of everything that's going on. We are committing crimes. I will rate I will rate the extent to which you are committing crimes. Like what? Yeah, you they... only committed medium crime. <laughs> like, yeah, I think they labeled it like levels of egregious behavior or something. Yes, that's exactly what it's called. <laughs> levels of egregious behavior from minimal to criminal. And I like this. <laughs> I, I just the fact that that rhymes tickles me a little extra. <laughs> Like it's 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 terrible. It's awful. And uh, and you, you know the the meme that we use in Amazing Avenue Slack, and I think most of baseball Twitter uses this meme when we refer to this specific document. It's the crimes dot xlsx <laughs> like crime spreadsheet, literal crime spreadsheet. But most of it, you know, most of these crimes, they, and they literally called it a mafia entrenched inside the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it mostly involves employees dealing with um, buscones who are the people who basically like help the players get smuggled out of Cuba into third party countries and then into the United States. And, uh, and it's not just Cuba, it's all of Latin America, but um, the Cuban players, because there is an embargo um, between the U S and Cuba, the Cuban players can't go to the U S directly unless they, you know, basically like float over (laughs) there. And, and so they can establish, they can't sign a player out of Cuba directly, but the Cuban player can establish residency in another country. They often use countries like Haiti and Mexico, where there's like very little infrastructure or ability to enforce these things. Um, and And they establish. Go yeah, ahead, the Buscones aren't doing this out of the goodness of the heart of their heart. They're getting kickbacks. Well, the Buscones are most are mostly working with like as like go betweens with the yeah. players and scout and scouts and such. It, it's exactly. The, the 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 smugglers are are usually are like in concert with them, but the smugglers are kind of their own thing, and a lot of them are affiliated with like with like drug gangs and whatnot because they just they just want a piece of the action. So these are like these are just bad crime dudes and MLB is knowingly funneling money to them. Yeah. Indirectly mostly, but um but really just um I mean mostly turning a blind eye and then also just just not turning a blind eye and doing it in the wide open. So it's it's and the, the, the Buscones have a whole other set of abuses that they are kind of committing as well. So, so it's, it, you've got guys kind of working, working on all angles, and all of those angles are just, just terrible. Yeah. And we shouldn't forget that the players we're talking about are teenagers. These are literal children that they're trying to buy, essentially. Right. So not only are the Buscones, like, you know, assisting the smuggling in the sense that they're not they're not themselves smugglers but they are connecting you know the player with the appropriate avenues um inappropriate avenues (laughs) as is the case here um but they're connecting the player with those people and but the other like big side of this that's like aside from the smuggling angle is like like you said linda these are teenagers and the other thing that these busco knights do is they train them up when they're really, really young, like some of mm-hmm. these kids drop out of school and they're like 10 years old to focus on baseball. And they encourage like a very open culture of like doping these kids as young as possible when they're like not even fully developed. So they're encouraging them to use steroids when they're really, really young and putting them in these facilities to train them up to basically get them to sign, get teams to sign them. And, and these so- facilities are not, uh, there's no, there's zero oversight to the point where, um, and there's a bit of a content warning just for the next ten seconds, but like um, one of the one of the facilities is run by someone who spent time in jail for sexually assaulting 
teenage boys that he worked with. Mm-hmm. And he came yep. right back out and kept doing, doing the same, the same, the same work in the facilities. And MLB knew this or like took active steps to avoid knowing it. Um, and it's, it's just like, it's just appalling. And who is taking care of these kids? Like who is responsible for making sure they are okay as humans and not just as, as commodities that MLB can, can package up and put on a t-shirt. Like it's really, it's, I, I'm looking around, I'm like, who is the grown-up here that is that is watching out for the kids? Yeah, and I mean, Nick Francona recently posted a video, um, and I encourage you guys to check it out. He tweeted it out um, fairly recently. Like, what was the date he tweeted it? Um, we will definitely, we will put it in the show notes um, and in the tweets when we uh, tweet out about this episode when it, um, when it drops. He tweeted it um, in early May, May 9th. He tweeted out a video where basically, like, there's an interview with a, there's interviews with a bunch of folks down there and you know they're basically saying like major league baseball doesn't care about us like no one's helping us no one's we're we we're trying to raise hell but no one's listening to us it's not a secret that like that like people are afraid to take on major league baseball and that they don't really care about this and the players union has no interest in i mean they they don't even care about minor league players on these shores they certainly don't care about about amateur teenagers over in other countries so lest anybody is wondering like is this a job for the players unions like well they would have to actually think it's their job before that would happen right passing just wrote an article i think early may around probably around the same time may 9th um that the buscones are pushing for an international draft like that's how bad it's gotten that they're begging major league baseball to do an inter international draft yeah and that's the the latest on that is that they're trying and it might happen in the next couple of years but it's not happening yet um so we'll see what happens with that um i think that like rob manfred has said that he wants it um but i don't know what extent like how how hard they're going to push for it like <laughs> yeah know? because again like what they what MLB and baseball teams their interest is in getting players to make money for them and the, the current system serves that interest very well because they're able to pay relatively small figures compared to you know what they would be paying under other systems, relatively small figures. And like some of that, sure, some of that maybe goes to drug kinpins and some of it goes to corrupt government officials and some of it goes to child rapists. But like, um, it's the system to them is working. So there has to be, like, there has to be external pressure uh, for them to, to see it as a problem. Like, why would they fix something that's working for them when their goals are just to get players for cheap? Done. Right. right. And, and well, I what mean, did go ahead, Linda? What did Manfred say during the amateur draft? Like he praised, like oh, he praised like the um the arbitration system, not the arbitration, but he was like basically saying like, oh, we have these kids under control for a certain amount of time. Like yeah. he was thankful that these kids were cheap. I can't remember what exactly he said, but if that's how he feels about these players, it's probably how he feels about like all the players trying to enter major league baseball, like, Oh good. They're cheap. Right. Right. And I mean, make no mistake. This is human, human trafficking. This is human trafficking. It straight up is like, there's not (laughs) the definition, like the legal technical dictionary definition, all that stuff. And And like child, child, human trafficking, child, human trafficking, because like, I know that most people when, you know, when they think of, human trafficking and how we use that term colloquially, they think about, you know, uh, people being sold for sex. But that is not the only thing that falls under the purview of human trafficking. If you sell a human being in any fashion for labor or for sex or for other purposes, that is human trafficking. And that is what is happening here. And these kids are 13 years old being being signed by teams at 13, even though they're not supposed to be signed until they're 16. But we know of at least, I think Passan reported that we know of at least four instances 
of kids that were signed before age 16 at like age 13, 14. And that's like just the ones we know about. (laughs) And it's also, you know, we think of like, we think of the, the, the high profile international signings and we think of, you know, what, what Yasiel Puig went through was, was absolutely human trafficking. Like he was essentially held hostage for a period of time. Yeah. Um, In a motel. But, but what we, but what I think gets lost and like are the the really vulnerable kids who who probably don't make it anywhere near the majors and who don't have um, who don't have the the publicity to protect them in a way, and, and so I think it's you know there can be some feeling of like oh well they're being sold to play baseball but then they get to play baseball and they get to be millionaires and it, it it's actually like we're talking about like the one percent that actually gets to play in the major leagues, make significant money. Many, like the vast majority are just like left behind along the way. So it's, it's not that, you know, this hardship is necessarily going to be paid back through fame and wealth. And also like, if it is, it still doesn't make it okay that it all started this way. And keep in mind that a, a significant cut of the money that they make goes back to the Buscones. <laughs> yeah. That's mm-hmm. how this all works. Like, that's why they push so hard to get them signed, because they get a cut of the paycheck if they are signed by a team. They get a cut of the bonus and his salary. So that's, you know, that's how these these things operate. And it's very shady and very bad. And for those of you who haven't, like, read or heard Yasiel Puig's story. He's probably the most prominent example of this. There have been plenty of others. Ioannis Cespedes might be, yeah. Ioannis Cespedes is one of them. Um, but Didn't Yasiel he have Puig, to save his mother from drowning? I yes, think, he did. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, um, so Yasiel Puig is probably the most prominent example of this, just the most written about example, I'll put it that way. Um and so if you haven't had the chance to read his story, it's harrowing. And I urge you to. Because, um, yeah, this it's a very dangerous process for them. Because these are, you know, in, in, the, view of the, in the view of both the Buscones and the smugglers, it's a very lucrative commodity for them. Um, it's not a human being to them. It's, these people are lucrative commodities to them. And they not only have to find a way for them, for them to get from Cuba to a third-party country who they then have to establish residency in through shady means um, so that they can be signed by Major League Baseball out of that country rather than out of Cuba to avoid the embargo. So it's like a two-pronged dangerous journey that involves people who want to exploit them for money. Well, also add, like, certainly wanting to exploit young players as commodities is not unique to Latin America, but it, it occurs in a place where there's very limited legal protections for these kids. So yes, you know, American 13, 14 year olds are mistreated by coaches and overworked and all kinds of inappropriate things, but also like they legally have to be in school. MLB has rules that basically require them to be in school for certain periods of time so that, you know, to even be considered, you know, it's, there are all of these there are all these humanizing protections that exist in this country that don't necessarily exist everywhere else. And so what really has to happen is that an incredibly wealthy and powerful organization like MLB has to use that power and wealth to bestow those protections upon those kids instead of just taking advantage of their lack of presence. Right. So Exactly. Um, and obviously, you know, this, all of this is not remotely a new problem. Um, this has been going on for a really long time, um, but it's back in the news lately because, A, you know, it keeps it's getting brought up because of the fact that the Dodgers are up for this humanitarian award, and it's like, what the hell, you're under investigation. Um, for I, I actually... Allison, I was wondering, um, what what is the what is their nomination based on? I'm curious. I didn't. I really, see. honestly, don't know. Like, what what did the Dodgers do? I couldn't think of anything. Did, did they do anything after the fires? Maybe the the wildfires that were out there last year. Maybe I'm like I'm like rapidly googling. Um, let's see. Welcome, listeners, to our new segment. Allison Google's the answer to this question. Yeah, I take no (laughs) shame in googling stats and stuff while I'm while I'm 
podcasting, so I take no shame in doing that here for this either. Well, and our resident librarian can speak to the benefit of doing research whenever needed. Exactly. <laughs> we can always ask our local librarians for the answer, too. <laughs> How's the... So, Linda, how's the game going? Are they still uh, Barky is done after six innings. Um, it's still nine to three, and it's the top of the seventh. So all things Take considered, it. it's another quality start for Vargas. Take it every time. Yeah. So you know what? Good for him. This was a huge test for him, and I'd say he he passed. Uh, wait. Um, their oh, franchise's it- consistent work in the community through the Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation. Yeah, it seems like it's like local efforts in the city of Los Angeles. So like, um education, youth sports, and healthcare are increasingly reserved for the elite using our celebrity and the power of sport. We have run and fund, uh, we run and fund proven programs aimed at young under-resourced, under-resourced, like, you know, members, like, uh, uh, people in the city. Um, and we well, have bigger I, ambitions on deck. So, like, but like every team, I think, does that. Right, that's, I was going to say, like, that's special. all good, but yeah. that is, like, every single sports team. Like, that's, like, the it bare minimum that you version should be doing. That. Yeah. Like, the, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, maybe they did something with the wildfires. I don't hear anything about the wildfires in that statement. No, no. it's just, it's it's local um, efforts in the city of Los Angeles, which is all good. Don't stop doing yes. that. But, like, yeah. m- I think most teams, like, the Mets are pretty engaged in the community in New York. So, I think that it's, like, not the only franchise that does these things. Maybe they're foundation is extra effective i don't know maybe they've raised the most money out of all the i have no idea maybe they but... promised to stop participating in human trafficking and yeah they, that'd like, be that'd be solid <laughs> cross their heart pinky promise um so yeah um and oh, oh <laughs> one like side note um it doesn't I tweeted about this, and this kind of previews a segment that we're doing in the future. Stay tuned for a an online harassment segment that we have in the works. Um, when this whole, you know, investigation thing came to light um, in the recent, like, y- past year or so, during that whole thing was also when, you know, the Braves... Um, former GM (laughs) was banned for life from major league baseball for other illicit activities involving skirting the international signing rules. So basically they were like giving out way more bonus money than they were supposed to be giving out per major league baseball's rules. Um, And so, you know, which I'm sure they felt the need to do because do you know how expensive it is to bribe local officials? (laughs) (laughs) And they are also one of the chief, you know, franchises involved in this probe. Um, so that's worth noting. Um, but during that whole time, um, fairly recently during this past off season, the, um, the Braves extended, um, two of their prominent stars for what was in my view, pretty under market contracts. Um, and I tweeted about that and said like, you know, in light of this Albies and it doesn't escape my notice that this is the same franchise that has committed literal crimes in the international market and I got crapped on for three straight days and almost had to lock my Twitter account. Braves Um, fans are brutal and honestly I I might have warned you. (laughs) It was bad. I I wasn't expecting it. It was really bad. I wasn't expecting it and not because like I am naive to how Twitter.com works um, but mostly because like I don't like I'm not a very prominent person on Twitter.com. So I just and I'm like most of my followers are Mets fans. So like I didn't think that this would reach the audience that would give it blowback, so to speak. But it got retweeted by a prominent person. I'm not going to name that person. I don't want them to feel bad because um, it's not their fault. They retweeted it because they agreed with it. But they had because a very large. Right. <laughs> they had a very large following. And so, and this is like, and this is a preview of the online harassment episode. And we're going to talk about this in much greater detail in a future episode. Um, but this is kind of how one of the mechanisms of how online harassment works. Like your tweet gets retweeted by someone that has a very large following or quote tweeted or whatever. And then that's how like they all pour into your mentions at once. And it's just like, it's like a tidal wave. And so I just got dealt with like all sorts of crap and blowback for that, that I won't go into in I'll go into it in greater detail in a future episode. But, you know, worth pointing out that the Braves are, you know, part of this whole shady business, along with the Dodgers. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised 
if no major league team is innocent to a certain extent. Like, I'm not trying to pretend that the Mets' hands are 100% clean here. I'm sure they are. Well, and certainly at the very least, there is, it's, it's an open secret. And, you know, everyone just sort of like quietly sits around and accepts it, which is, which is bad enough. Um, but certainly, I mean, look, do I think the Mets are particularly adept at bribery? No, they're terrible <laughs> at it, just like they're terrible at everything else. But are they doing it? Of course they are. I'm sure they are. Uh, my lawyer would like me to say that they may or may not be doing it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All of this, please add allegedly, allegedly. to the beginning of every single allegedly. sentence of this podcast. Like, you just... know, future, all future correspondence will be directed to my attorney. <laughs> Um, allegedly directed to your attorney allegedly directed was probably just better at not getting caught yeah like they probably didn't keep a crimes dot xlsx they're still just you you, judging their uh their crime levels uh by the eye test it's it's very old-fashioned yeah that's true yeah (laughs) so meanwhile this federal investigation is still ongoing um and we don't know the result of it yet Um, But yeah, these issues, even though they're not new and they've been going on for ages and ages, they've come to light because now finally the government is investigating and finally, as a result, hopefully people will see some consequences for this and maybe something will change. (laughs) I'm just, I'm really hoping it does. Um, And there was a recent um, Washington Post piece about this uh, by Will Hobson. I highly recommend you guys check that out. Um, Terry Thompson and Christian Wright also contributed to it. Um, that goes... We're going to link all this stuff and yes. it is so rich and so interesting and just like pick one for each lunch hour this week and it will be a, a solid read. You'll learn about so much more than just baseball. It was, I learned a lot yeah. um, and it's, it's just... It's so important that we know this because they don't want us to know it. Right, exactly. Like, read all these articles that we're going to link. They're so rich in detail. There's so much here that we, that is, like, both either outside of the purview of this podcast or, like, you know, just we didn't have time to discuss it. Um, And there's so much, um, there's so much detail there. Um, So I highly recommend you read all of the articles that we're going to link in the show notes and in the tweets. Um, and we will, um, we will probably do a future follow-up segment on this because, um, this is not over. This is far from over. Once we hear, you know, the results of the investigation, once those come out, I'm sure more and more will come out about this. So stay tuned. Um, we'll do a future update on this, um, when, you know, more details become available. Um, but in the meantime, um, we will finish up our show like we do every week with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so... Linda sort of touched on him a little bit earlier. Um, not literally, that would be inappropriate. Um, but my walk-off win is Big Pete. He just is like making my day every day. There was an article on the t- in the New York Times um, kind of leading up to the, to the Subway series, and we'll link it in the show notes for this too. Um, but he's just like this super down-to-earth, likable guy, and he hits amazing home runs that are so much fun to watch. And it's just great because he's having a blast. Like, he's having the time of his life out there, and it's so infectious. I love how much he he amps up the rest of the team. His 
bromance with Dom Smith is giving me life. Like, just everything about him right now is just what I need in a kind of Mets season to, like, get me excited about baseball and just just get me watching. He's so much fun. Thank you, Big Pete. Thank you for being you. We love you, Polar Bear Pete. He's just such a lovable goof. I know. And have you guys, like, noticed? I mean, we've talked about it in the Slack pretty extensively. But have you guys, like, been up to date on all of his, like, fashion choices? Because they give me life, too. <laughs> like, all of, the, all of the different hats he wears, like, after the games in the clubhouse are amazing. And when they call him Florida Man in Slack. Because <laughs> he is. He's the quintessential Florida Man, and it's the best. Shout out to Kate Feldman, who has a special fondness for Pete, being a fellow person from Florida. So, a fellow Gator, fellow Gator. Like, like if if Pete Alonso was like in the news for driving down the highway with like pythons in the back of his pickup truck, and he was like, "I didn't even know they were there," you, you wouldn't you wouldn't blink an eye. Like it would be absolutely like, sure, he did not even know they were there. Yeah, that would be 100% P. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. 100%. And you would buy it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, I think, <laughs> I, I listened to, um, I listened to the most recent episode of um, our, our fellow, um, our fellow podcast, uh, Je- uh, Jeff Powdenostro and Jarrett Seitler have for all you kids out there. Highly recommend that if you're looking into other Mets podcasts you want to listen to. That is a very good one. And they, in their most recent episode, I think Jeff described Pete as a northern Florida gas station attendant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> who is meth, meth, who is not on meth, but is maybe meth adjacent. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Poor Pete. We love you, Pete. This is all out of love. We love you deeply. <laughs> um, well, that also calls to mind, though, um, one of my favorite um, phrases to describe Pete Alonzo, which was from, um, gosh, I think it was in The Ringer, like, a month and a half ago. I have to find it because it's just one of my favorites, where they said that Alonzo um, looks like the kind of player, kind of the kind of guy who builds log cabins in his spare time. Or yeah. lifts log cabins in his spare time. Lifts log cabins. Or, or plays a log cabin on a children's TV show in their spare time. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, I found it. It was on the ringer. It was like it was like two weeks into his oh, it was Michael Bauman who's hilarious. Oh um, yeah, I love I'm gonna, I'm I gonna love link this work. one too because because <laughs> this just this is just one of the, the more fun big Pete reads on the planet. So anyway, yes. Um, now I can picture him like with like leaves coming out of him. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, he would be so good. It would be such a great show. He'd be like like to- he'd have total buy-in, which you need on a kid's show. You just have to be all in. Oh, oh he would be all in. Heartbeat. Oh, he totally would be. He would sell it so hard. Yes, I love it. We want to see Big Pete on a children's show. Lobby. You get Sesame Street. Do your yeah. thing. Big Pete on Sesame oh, I know Street. So- I know someone who works for Sesame Street who's also a big Mets fan. I'm going to go bug him about this. Oh, do it. <laughs> Make it happen. I would watch the hell out of that. So would I. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, mine kind of ties into that. My walk-off win is Jeff McNeil this week. Because I think he came back off EIL last week, I think. Yep. And, you know, it's no surprise, I think, that they went on a winning streak after he came back. Like, he just adds just another dimension to this lineup, especially at the top of the lineup. And he, I feel like he's just so underappreciated. Like, he just comes, gets his hits, and leaves. It was like even in the first game, he had a group dong, which you like. He, we know he can do that, but it's still kind of a surprise when he does. It's his first group and, dong of his career. Yeah, that, that which is weird. Blows my mind. Like, how is I that even possible? Every other one of his home runs have been solo somehow. That's insane. Yeah, but I wild. guess he he's let off a lot. Yeah, and the Mets are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so, also true. <laughs> but it's still, even with those, like the the statistician in me is like is like trying to not do the odds on that because it's it's not the, not a good time to be calculating odds in the middle of a podcast. But they're probably pretty low. Yeah, 
but like and plus his romance with Big Pete gives me life. And so like I just feel like there's a better team with Jeff McNeil on it and that they need a Jeff McNeil type player. Like they didn't have that person who would grind out at bats and, you know, bunt for a hit if they need to. And he can actually do it. Conforto, you should not be doing it, Scoot. Especially nope. with Arenado at third. No bunts. No, no bunts. Bunt. McNeil's allowed to bunt. You're not allowed to. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeff gets a pass. So yeah. welcome back, McNeil. We missed well, you. We hope yeah, you stay Yeah, because like when he went, when he dove for that ball in the first game, and like kind oh. of like maybe tweaked his like shoulder or elbow a little bit, I was like, no, no. we can't lose no. him again. No, we've seen what it's like. We've it's seen not what it's pretty. like. <laughs> like, don't do this, Jeff. No. So yeah, we're we're very pleased to have McNeil back. Um, so. My walk-off win, I'm going to cheat a little bit and do, like, kind of two walk-off wins. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm going to be quick about it, but it's my, it's, it's my show, and I'll do two walk-off wins if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, because I had two very happy things happen to me this week, which is great. Um, so, one of them is that this past weekend was Alumni Weekend at the University of Delaware. Um, I go every single year. Um, and UD is my obviously alma mater from undergrad. Um, and it just every year alumni weekend is the happiest weekend of my whole year. And it's just like, I get to reunite with all my old friends. I'm still really, really close with my friends from college and we go together as a group of like a dozen of us. Um, and it's just, you know, like a weekend just spent with friends and it's just, it makes my heart happy and it makes me smile. So that, that's my first half of my walk-off win is. I love college reunion. College reunion is awesome. Yeah. I I also love because you get there and like all the booze they spent four years taking away from you, they give it all back in a weekend and it's fancier. I know exactly. Yeah. Like with the first, the first, so it's like a, it's a weekend event and the first uh, event is Friday night and that's like the big party and it's called mug night. Although they changed the name of it. They call it Delebration now, but I, it's kind of like how when Shea became city field, people kept calling it Shea for like three years. So I'm going to still keep calling it mug night for a while. Cause it was mug night for the whole time that I've been doing it up until recently. So they call it uh, mug night slash Delebration and it's basically like unlimited alcohol you get a cup nice. and it's unlimited alcohol so you know as you can imagine debauchery happens um but you know it's it's so much fun um my friends and I had a great time as we always do every year and it's just so nice to you know see the friends that I see like fairly frequently and like hang out with them but also see faces that I don't get to see that often probably only once a year in some cases so I really enjoyed it as I always do um so yeah that's my first half of my walk-off win the second half of my walk-off win, I would be remiss if I did not shout out the U.S. Women's National Team. Good Lord! <laughs> they that won was 13 oh. to nothing today in their first World oh Cup game. Um, I was already so hyped for the start of the World Cup because, like, other than Mets baseball, this is the, the Women's World Cup is, like, the thing that's nearest and dearest to my heart in the world of sports. Um, and, that you was know, a right drubbing. Yeah. That was... I knew, Where's the I, mercy rule? <laughs> right? I knew going in that, like, Thailand was not a strong squad and that, like, the U.S., like, I was like, the chances of them winning this game are roughly 99%. Like, there's nothing to worry about, and I wasn't worried about losing. But what I said, you know, ahead of time was, you know, France, the host country, came out strong in their first match, winning 4 nothing against a weaker team. And, you know, Norway came out and had a strong showing. So teams teams that are in the upper tier of teams went out and, like, really made statements. And so I was like, the U.S. really needs to make a statement. And, boy, did they make a statement, y'all. <laughs> they made a statement. It is the biggest margin of victory in Women's World Cup history. Um, you know, and there was, there was debate in the booth, like in the studio after the game, whether, you know, essentially should they have mercy ruled this, not in the sense of should they ended the game early, but should the U.S. have like, you know, stepped off the gas a little bit and stopped scoring. because I don't know, that's not their responsibility. Their job is to go out there and play as hard as they can. And if, if the system warrants a mercy rule, then there should be a mercy rule. I'm not saying that like, that, you know, 
that level of lopsided win is necessarily a desirable outcome, but the responsibility should be on the organization and not on the players to like, what, half-ass it? Like, what would that even look like? Right. Well, and then one person, one of the commentators even said that disrespecting Thailand, like, I'm going to half-ass it. You're not worth my time anymore. Like, no, right. they're playing hard. You should play hard, too. Right. Like, they're, they have to show, this is, this is the World Cup. This isn't, like, some, like, friendly, international friendly that doesn't mean anything. This is, this is the World Cup. They need to go out there and they need to show the rest of the world that they're the best. And that's how they do it. And goal difference matters in this tournament. If it didn't matter, it'd be a little bit of a different situation. But goal difference is the main tiebreaker. If we're in the group stages right now, and so there are four teams in each group, two teams advance out of each group, the number one and number two. And, you know, if there is some sort of tie in points, like you get three points for a win and one point for a draw, and whoever has the most points at the end of group play after each team has played each other team advances out. And so if there is a tie in the number of points you have to either determine whether you advance at all or whether you come first or second, which changes where you end up in the bracket, they use goal difference as the tiebreaker. So the U.S. has to put up a deficit like that in order to make up like make an insurmountable goal difference so that there's no way that they would lose that tiebreak. So to me, it's like, you know, if the goal difference is, is a determining factor, then they can't take their foot off the gas. No, they should keep scoring goals. And they kept scoring goals was pretty incredible 10 of those goals came in the second half alone it was three oh it's just it, didn't alex morgan like set a record she or scored something? five goals yes she scored five goals herself so that is that is t- a tie for the record michelle acres oh, um it's I, I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a, if it's the like record like in all of women's soccer i don't i know that it's like a united states national team record um, Michelle Akers also once scored five goals um, in a game. But, yeah, so five goals in one game for Alex Morgan, the GOAT. Freaking love her. Um, yeah, so it was a really, really great opening game for the U.S., set the tone. And, I mean, obviously it's like a weaker opponent, so it's hard to take too many takeaways. But to me, they looked ready. They looked crisp. They looked sharp. They, they were connecting their passes. They were finishing every scoring opportunity they had. Like, they looked ready to go. So I'm so, so pumped for the rest of this tournament. And it's just so nice to watch a sports team I root for actually, like, be competent and be really good at the sport. I wouldn't know. <laughs> no, wouldn't know. I don't know what that's like. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like, like, I mean, I've, I will love the, just like the Mets, I will love the U.S. Women's National Team, win or lose, no matter what. But I always say that they're a nice vacation from the Mets sometimes just to root for a team that's kind of like a Yankees equivalent powerhouse. Like they're the Yankees of international women's soccer. Like they are the, the world class. So, you know, I'm so pumped for the rest of this tournament. I hope that they can go back to back, which has only been done one one other time before in the Women's World Cup, um, get their fourth World Cup. That would be so, so great. So, yep. Um, that it, that does it for our show this week. Um, you can go to amazingavenue.com to read all of our fantastic content. Like Maggie said, near the top of the show, she's going to be writing a piece about Todd Frazier soon and his resurgence. Um, so go check that out along with all of our game recaps, news pieces, analysis pieces, etc. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on all of the social medias, um, tw- Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow us on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. Where are you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Follow each of us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. Please subscribe to the Amazing Avenue uh, audio group of shows um, on, uh, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and also rate and review the podcast. It really, really helps. Um, And in the meantime, the uh, original music for this show is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.